Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. The FT. Hello and welcome to Hard Currency, the FT's weekly Forex podcast, taking a hard look at what's driving the world's largest financial markets. I'm Alice Ross, the FT's Currencies Correspondent, and I'll be talking you through the market trends this week with the help of my special guest, Elsa Linos, Currency Strategist at RBC Capital Markets. Elsa, let's start with the Australian and New Zealand dollars, which have been hitting fresh multi-month lows against the US dollar in recent days. Quite why this is has been flummoxing some investors and traders, and a number of reasons have been offered. Australia's central bank recently cut interest rates, while New Zealand's central bank has said it intervened in the currency market to try and stem the strength of the dollar. Meanwhile, falling commodity prices have played their role with both economies' top commodity exporters. And of course, the US dollar is going from strength to strength. Elsa, what do you think the mood is on these currencies at the moment? And do you expect this sell-off to continue? Absolutely. Like you said, a lot of confusion about what's driving it and a lot of people, traders looking at it, thinking it's gone too far. Fundamentally, it's hard to find a single news story to pin it on. You mentioned the RBA rate cut there and certainly that came earlier than we expected. Mm. A lot of people expecting more cuts to come. But I think if you look at the price action, a large part of it has actually been driven by pure dollar strength. Because uh, commodities tend to be priced in dollars, the dollar rally has meant commodities coming off quite a lot. And that obviously has a knock-on effect on the commodity currencies. And we're not just talking the Australian and New Zealand dollars there, are we, either? We're also seeing that in the Canadian dollar. Absolutely. And that's been uh, one that's slightly slow to take off. May was actually a pretty good month for for CAD. But we think that will turn going into June. Mm. June tends to be a month uh, seasonally. It tends to be quite a weak month for CAD. But this June in particular, we've got record bond redemptions, coupon payments out of Canada, holds 68 billion CAD. And a good chunk of that might end up flowing out of CAD and um, and back into the dollar. Mm. And of course, there are these bigger kind of macro pictures affecting the commodity currencies. What about the effect of the Bank of Japan easing perhaps in, in the region with Australia and New Zealand having, uh, you know, still, despite the Australian rate cuts, still the highest interest rates of any G10 countries, but we're not really seeing the demand for those currencies that you might expect, given this theory that the Japanese investors are going to start putting money to work overseas. Absolutely. And that's partly because we haven't seen Japanese investors um, turn abroad in, in size. If we look at the weekly capital flows data, we've seen some tentative signs of money beginning to flow abroad, but it dwarfs the repatriation that we've seen since um, December's election. And so that will be a story we expect to play out, but perhaps over a much longer time horizon over the next six to 12 months or so, rather than a week to week story. Mm. Okay, let's look now at the Swiss franc, which hit its weakest level since January against the euro in recent days in what seems to be partly a move out of safe havens, and partly some speculation that the Swiss National Bank will act again to weaken the franc, perhaps by introducing negative interest rates or perhaps even by raising the floor at which it buys euros to weaken the franc if needed. Elsa, what's your take on the weaker franc and do you think SNB action is at all likely? 
think the probability of SMB action at this point is probably pretty low, actually. Um, the reason being that they're in a very comfortable position. Swiss franc is going down independently. There's not a lot they need to do. And a lot of it has actually been flow-driven rather than fundamentally driven. So a lot of interest to buy dollar Swiss, for example, that's feeding through obviously into the Euro-Swiss cross. I think looking at the inflation numbers, they'll be happy to just sit back and wait. At some point in the far, far future, they may need to actually go in the other direction. They'll have to have an exit strategy. And so it doesn't make sense to be going further down the line um, into easing policy when the market's doing the work for them. What about the, the wider picture in Europe there? Because, of course, part of the reason or the main reason that the Swiss franc did strengthen so much and saw so much demand was that people were worried about the eurozone crisis and we saw all these haven flows go into Switzerland. Uh, now we are seeing the Swiss franc weaken, but we're not really seeing a great picture on the euro. The euro is pretty flat against the dollar at the moment. You know, people are worried about eurozone growth. The figures aren't looking good for the rest of the eurozone. How do we explain this kind of relationship? Is it that people just aren't using the franc as a haven anymore and they're not moving out of it either? I think the really interesting there thing there is that we're looking at the euro now as more of a cyclical story rather than a structural story. Mm. So for the two or three years of the crisis, it was all about periphery yields and about the risk of a country exiting the euro, something which we never thought was going to happen. But we certainly, it felt like we came close. Looking at the euro now, it seems to be much more a macro story. You know, we have weak data, as you mentioned, the ECB is in a very aggressive easing mode. Um, and I expect that will remain the case throughout the remainder of this year. But that's not a structural story. And therefore, you don't need to chase the havens. Instead, people may be looking to chase some higher yielding currencies. Mm. Okay, finally, let's take a, a look, uh, a more detailed look at the Japanese yen, which has continued to weaken to its lowest level since October 2008, after the G7 refrained from criticising the country's monetary easing plans earlier this month. Elsa, Japan's close trade Trading partners may not be that pleased, but it seems Japan has the green light for now from other developed countries. How much further do you see the yen weakening from here? It's an incredibly difficult question. As you know, we've actually been very positive on the yen over several years. And looking at it now, it still hasn't been real money flow. And by that, I don't mean that this is pure speculative money. There are real money investors taking part in this dollar yen bet, but it's not been flow related to underlying investments. This is not Japanese investment investors liquidating um, Japanese assets and going abroad on an unhedged basis. And I think until we see that, I don't have the confidence that this is a sustainable long term move. We've actually got dollar yen going lower into the end of the year, which I know is a very off-consensus market call. Controversial. <laughs> Absolutely. But in order to change that view, we'd really need to see Japanese investors not just changing their overseas investment, but changing their hedging behaviour, which is at the centre of our dollar-yen view. Mm, and we have seen some evidence of that. We've seen some of the life insurance companies in Japan uh, mentioning that they would be slightly altering their hedging ratios, but I suppose it hasn't really been a flood. Well, what we've seen so far is a few of them mentioning they've reduced hedge ratios already. Mm. Actually, a few of them mentioning they've increased hedge ratios. One of the lifers with a historically quite low hedge ratio has actually been upping that a bit. Um, but for the most part, their hedging intentions for the year ahead are, are pretty unchanged. And I think until you see a wholesale change in behaviour on that front, it'll be very difficult to get that bearish on them. And given that this has been driven by hedge funds, this seems to be the consensus view that the, the yen getting so much weaker over the past few months has been pretty much a hedge fund trade. How much further can could hedge funds alone push this? Is it, is it your view that if, if other people don't come in at this point, the hedge funds have, have gone as far as they can with it? Well, it's probably not fair to call it hedge funds alone. I mean, I'd call it speculative money because it's not tied to a 
real investment underlying the flow. Mm. Um, so it could be real money that has no natural base in Japan buying dollar yen. Or it mm. could be um, Japanese retail investors, for example, buying dollar yen. And that can keep going almost indefinitely until we find a, a source of dollar yen selling to counteract it. Uh, obviously, the exporters are not the force they once were, the Japanese exporters. And, um, and in absence of that flow, it, it may take an external event, a kind of risk off shock, if you will, to really force dollar yen back down again. So the key to keep an eye on presumably remains the weekly Ministry of Finance data that shows whether what Japanese investors are doing. Absolutely. Okay, that's it from us this week. Elsa Linios at RBC Capital Markets. Thank you very much. Hard Currency will be back next week, but until then, you can read up-to-date FX news and analysis on our website, ft.com forward slash FX. Goodbye. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com.